G'day there. This is the Bloody Aussie Battler podcast with your host and fellow battler, Mike Holt. The Bloody Aussie Battler brings you news, interviews and commentary on the political shenanigans in Canberra and around Australia. So grab a beer, settle back in your favourite recliner and let's hear what the criminals, liars, thieves and traitors have been up to. Do you know that by 2030, as many as 800 million jobs could be lost worldwide to automation? Future Blackboard is an educational platform for developing emerging careers, jobs and skills. Future Blackboard offers courses designed for the future. Are you concerned about cybersecurity? Future Blackboard is offering a course on how to spot and beat hackers, prevent tracking, browse anonymously, and counter government surveillance, as well as master the tools for antivirus, malware, and disk encryption. Future Blackboard is offering a special price for just $65 in cybersecurity and anonymity. Enroll now at www.futureblackboard.com and click on Courses on the menu. Dick Yardley's book, Australian Political and Religious Leaders, Treason, Treachery and Sabotage. Dick exposes how Whitlam, Hawke, Keating, Goss, Rudd and all the other Fabians have destroyed our manufacturing and agriculture. If you want to know exactly how they have done it, get Dick's book at advanceaustralia.com.au and click on Merchandise. Knowledge is power. Get the power to fight the corruption today. G'day. I've got Sue Maines in the studio with me now. Actually, she's not really in the studio. She's on the telephone to me. And uh, Sue is a well-known constitutional researcher. And um, she's crossed swords with the the unlawful political party uh, corporate government in the past. And so we're going to be talking about that. And I'm sure Sue will bring us some very interesting insights into her fight. And uh, hopefully we can learn a lot from her. G'day, Sue. How are you? Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for coming on. I've been looking forward to this, actually, because I've been watching your work for quite a long time. And I've also watched that video of your house being repossessed. So why don't we start there first and then we can sort of backtrack a bit and you can talk about what you've been doing and... uh, how, how it all started. Sounds good. So with that video, I believe that the, the bailiffs came onto your place without um, taking any notice of the no trespass sign. Uh, these were the council uh, bailiffs, were they, or the council process server? No, everyone thinks the matter was related to the council, but it wasn't. What mm. happened was that we, we had spent two years questioning rates um, questioning the legality and, uh, and simply asking council to provide the lawful um, enactments and, and legislation under which they claimed rates and we couldn't get an answer. We just simply did not get answers from them for two years. So we got to the stage where we said, well, look, we, we're, we're going to withhold rates for a while pending an answer. Um, we're more than happy to pay rates, pending we know the legalities of them. And so if you supply, supply us with that information, we'll go back to paying rates quite happily. Mm. Still didn't get anything. 
so it got to the new rating notice for 2008 and we hadn't received anything for the best part of two years from the council in the way of explanations or, or answers. Um, so we said to them, well, look, under the circumstances, we don't want to enter a new contract for the next year. And at that stage, people have to be aware that there were a lot of things that we didn't know were going on. So it was a bit of a test case mm. to say this to them. Uh, council fairly quickly reacted and took us to court for the, the unpaid rates at that time, and which we, we thought was great because we thought, oh, well, okay, we'll ask the court to ask the council for the validity. Hmm. And, um, <laughs> yeah, well, as it turned out, we didn't even get a case in the court. They just ruled against us. But um, the process server that came out to deliver the paperwork, uh, we had signposts on the on the property. We have a public road run through the property. So we had a sign at the front gate, a very large sign, 900 by 600, saying no entry um, unless it's counted as trespass. But we couldn't block off the road, obviously, being a public road. So we had the sign beside the road where our property started. And so the young fellow has come on. He's come on at 9.30 on a Sunday night, ripped and taught, tearing through the paddocks, um, there was livestock everywhere, so that was quite dangerous both for him and, and for our stock. Um, and he sworn at us and carried on, and we asked him to leave four times, and he finally left after the fourth time. So we actually sued him for trespass, um, and that is where the whole thing came from because the trespass case was extremely interesting. The judge very clearly chose a side that was going to win which was not the side that had the trespass sign up and asked the fellow to leave four times um it was their side that won and um we just thought there's something wrong here there's we just don't understand how this judge can do this so it went to appeal it went to the high court we lost three times in essence and then the other side started making us offers uh, for payment and i remember thinking how can you make an offer we lost three times they can charge whatever they want and they were making offers. And um, so we said, well, yeah, that's fine. We'll pay, just um, send us the judge's signed order. And you know, even today, we've never seen the judge's signed order. No. And that's why we stood our ground because nothing appeared to be being done legally. And that's, that's where it fine. went from, from that, that matter. Well, you know what Harry and I say on the, um, on the Australian Patriot Radio, when you play by their rules, you lose. And this is what we found. <laughs> So yes, let's uh, go back then. In, back in, in 2005, you actually yes. started working with David Walter's team. This is before you had the problem with the council, right? Yes. Well, I'm, I've met David Walter, and um, I spent a whole day with him uh, while he talked to me about, uh, or taught me about the constitution and the law. And I tell you what, after a day of listening to him, nonstop, just pounding it into my head. I walked out of there reeling, but I tell you what, I learned a lot. Uh, he's a very, very um, well man, well versed in the law. So uh, you started working with him. Uh, what did you do specifically? Well, um, we were just a little. Why it happened? Um, we were in a situation in our particular area, which was the central west of New South Wales, where the LEPs were being implemented over all the farming land, and an there was LEP. a lot of meeting land and environment plan where oh. you're going to be allowed to do this that and the other or not do it um and there was a lot of meetings a lot of protests and i'd go to these meetings and people would say 
it's it's wrong, it's wrong. And I'd say, why is it wrong? And because I knew nothing about law at this stage. And why is it wrong? I don't know, but I know it's wrong. Mm. So anyway, this, this went on for about a year. And then um, my husband heard a, a fellow talking on the radio about land ownership. And of course, his ears pricked up. And the land, the fellow was talking about what at that time we thought was fee something. We didn't quite clarify what he was saying. So the internet was relatively new to us then. And um, I did some research, finally found fee simple, um, which is how you own your land. And from from all view of a fee symbol, it seemed to show that we weren't owning our land anymore in that term. So we didn't know what to do. We sat back and then the, the land newspaper came out with a letter in it and the letter mentioned fee simple. And so I chased that, the fellow that wrote the letter down, I chased him down that weekend, um, got in touch with him and he said, you better talk to my son who was actually working with um, David Walter and so just I just joined the team. I basically said, well, what do you need done? Um, we're researching this, we're researching that. And I started researching with them. And they were focusing on the land issues in Queensland, particularly the native title, which was removing pretty well all ownership rights. And that's where we started. We started off with looking at that. When it became clear that the government didn't appear to be honouring um, true land ownership, we then started looking at Queensland, and that's where all the Brigalow Corp information came from. Then we started looking at why they seemed to be breaching the Constitution, which moved to the Commonwealth Constitution. And along the way, as well as helping with the research, I started to become um, kind of like the spokesperson. I would attend rallies and speak, uh, tell them about David's information, and I started putting in a newsletter for David in 2008. Uh, and went from there. And I spent um, hours and hours talking with him on the phone where he would run his thought processes. I was kind of like the sounding board for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I've got um, I've got recording after recording and notes after notes after notes of, of the conversations we had where I learned what he was learning. Yeah, he's a pretty formidable man, isn't he? <laughs> Amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yes. But um, you know his, about his case. So basically what happened there, I believe, is that uh, one of his neighbours was being harassed by the local council up in Cairns. And David stepped in to try and um, uh, you know, advise and support them. And uh, they both ended up losing their, their own properties. The, the council just came and took them away as if uh, there was no such thing as land ownership any right. And this is true, of course. There is no land ownership... Yes. The, the government, the corporate government in Queensland owns all the land in Queensland. So listeners, if you're listening to this and uh, you've got a, um, a property, go and have a look at your, um, your title deed. It's, you don't own it. The government does. Actually, I'm going to correct that a touch. You do, you do buy land still under fee simple, which is the, the for, only form of ownership that's lawful in Australia. Mm. However, when you register it with Torrens Title, you give it back to the government. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so for clarifying So the Torrens that. Title becomes the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the best thing to do is don't register it with them. <laughs> I, I agree with that 100%. And the interesting thing is um, in the, I think it's the Torrance Title Act, you can read in there that if you want to remove it from the system, you can go to the Supreme Court and have them remove it from the system. So mm. it, it there is an out clause to it. I don't know whether anyone's done it, 
but there is an out clause. But yeah. Queensland is very um, progressive in removing land ownership. Uh, they changed all the original title deeds over to some new title system some years ago, and now they're actually removing all paperwork to do with land ownership. And if you think about that, you own what has has been um, what I've been told is in essence a patent in that no piece of land is the same anywhere in the world. So your dimensions, your longitude and, lo and latitude, etc., are unique to the piece of land that you're buying. And that's what your title deed used to give you once upon a time. It gave you those dimensions and that exact specifications of what you owned. The certificates of title don't indicate any of that. So if you say you own something, what proof have you got as to where your borders and boundaries lie? Mm -hmm. And now, of course, that it's going to a computerised system, you don't even know whether you do own it anymore because it's all relevant to whoever puts what information into the computer. Disgusting, isn't it? I, I don't know if you've been listening to our podcast. The other day I interviewed uh, Greg Hallett. Have you heard of him? Yes, I have. <clears throat> okay. And he mentioned Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars and sent me a copy of this, and I've read it, and I've actually put it up on the CIR Now website, cirnow.com.au. This is required reading for every Australian because it, it explains exactly how the bankers have um, been working for 75 years behind the scenes to take over the world, and they are doing it in such a, a way that it just beggars belief. And what you're describing, Sue, is all part of their plan. Yes. It actually gets more iniquitous, though, because you as a, as a living person are also property. And mm. so now, of course, under the, the name situation, the name title, um, banks are now... So, for example, when you take out a mortgage with a bank, you think it's a mortgage for you to buy and purchase some uh, property. In fact, what you're giving the banks has been identified that you are giving them permission to copyright and patent all the variations of your name and use them as a commercial um, item. Yes. So we're now deemed as property too. Well, we're slaves. We're, we're debt slaves, basically. And uh, yeah. this is why I, I, have, um, I have never, well, I have gone into debt, but I've always got myself out of it very, very quickly. And right, well, for years now, I've stayed completely out of debt, out of the clutches of the banks. The only thing I do with the banks nowadays is get my pension. And yes. uh, I stay away from them as much as possible because they are a very dangerous organization. And when I say organization, I mean the worldwide cabal of banks. And they're all working yes. together, you know. Um, let me just have a quick look through here. Um now you were bankrupted, weren't you, as a result of all of this business with the um, with the council? Yeah, yes. Well, actually, because of the trespass cases. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, actually, no. I'm not going to admit that we were bankrupt because we fought it all the way and we couldn't get anything just done. Right. So it got to the stage where, um, because we hadn't paid the debt they were claiming, which hadn't been validated by any. Um, signed court document that they uh, continue proceedings. Now, I mean, it's a fine line when someone says you're bankrupt and when you say you're not. But the fact is that law comes back into the situation and we are yet to have any lawful documentation. And when I say lawful, I mean Commonwealth-backed, common law-backed documentation to say that what happened to us was 
mm. in law a valid activity. Yes, and, and this is so we never. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Sorry. So I was just going to say, so we never agreed to anything. And one of the things you're supposed to do is agree to the bankruptcy. You actually approve the bankruptcy by filling out the um, statement of affairs that you're given and conforming to the process. Right. And we never, ever did. And that's one of the things I've realized over the years. Every single process that's being done by the Australian government and all the structure that's in place now requires your agreement. No. So we have just made it a habit of never agreeing unless we clearly know that something is lawful. Right. And this goes for anything that when you're dealing with the government. I mean, even even fines. Unless you agree to accept their offer to um, to fine you, yes. they can't fine you. That's right. And um, I, I tried this actually with a fine recently. I kept uh, marking the envelope um no such person because it was addressed to the call caps name yes return to sender and eventually they got in touch with me and said if you don't we will take away your license we will take away your car and we'll take away everything else that you own unless you pay yes well what sort of a system is that well it's a system that operates under contract law um, because because you're dealing with the Australian government which is an administrative body operating in administrative law and administrative law is about where you deal in government contracts. Where you enter a government contract, it comes under administrative law. When you get married, it comes under administrative law. When you get a driver's license, it comes under administrative law. When you provide a birth certificate, it comes under administrative All because you are dealing with government and you are stepping into the public jurisdiction. Sorry, mm, actually, I'm going to correct that. You're, yes, you're stepping, you're stepping out of your public jurisdiction into the private, which is, and what your listeners should look up is a term called private law. Mm. Private law is where you may be born in the Commonwealth, for example, and you have your public law rights there, but you also have the private will right to enter any contract you want to that's outside that domain. Mm. So that's what they're using against us, our private law rights but they don't tell you that by so doing, you are stepping away from the Commonwealth and the common law, and you are agreeing to give up those protections in order to be judged in their domain, exactly. where you have so, no rights except the contract. Yep. And so when you step into their court, you have accepted their offer to contract, and therefore right. you come under their jurisdiction. And this is uh, something that we um, try and, we, we, you know, I sell a, uh, an e-book, uh, steps to stop fines or something. I forget the name offhand. But yep. in it, it explains the law and it also explains that if you do step into their, their domain, you're accepting their contract. So yes. the best thing to do is to not accept their contract, but they just ignore that. That's the big problem. And They're actually allowed to use what is called coercion where yes. they can put pressure on you to comply and agree. Yeah. Um, the, the pure simple thing is, though, that they're fraudulent contracts because you don't know what you're doing. There's no clarity of decision. There's no um, free will intent because there's no free will when you when you don't know that there is a, a deception behind it. Hmm. That's right. And and the problem too with these fines is that uh, you know as soon as you open the envelope, you have accepted their contract, and they don't tell you that. And if, in, in, under contract law, which they are supposed to ab abide by, um, there must also be an escape clause. Well, where is the escape clause with these fines? It doesn't exist. 
And the same actually, thing with was, the... Yeah, go on. Sorry. I was just going to say, actually, that, that isn't quite true either. We have discovered that there are, are escape clauses, but you've got to find them. Um, ah. Because the law has to provide a remedy, so they do have these escape clauses. You've just got to find them. Um, and there's a group that are actually focusing on that and following up on a lot of the acts and finding out where the escape clause. A bit like I said before, you could go to the Supreme Court and have your land property, your property title removed from the Torrens title system. That's a, an escape clause, but mm. you've got to find them. Right. right. Okay. So uh, I might have to talk to you about that. I'd like to join that group. It's, we, we're getting pretty close to the time, actually, Sue, because normally we go about 20 minutes. But you actually had your property stolen because yes. of this this um, uh, bankrupt. Uh, uh, sorry, because of this uh, trespass pro uh, case. Yes. Um, and you refused to fill out the statement of, affair, of affairs, which have been your would have been your acceptance. Yes. Uh, and then the threat culminated with a written order by Judge Rolf Driver in late 2014. Is that correct? That's right. He threatened. To, he said to us, if we didn't turn up at court next time we were issued a summons, that the police would come and collect us. He wrote out the paperwork saying we would then be jailed for non-compliance, and um, and that was that was where we were up to. Dear me, and this of course is total coercion. But the good news is that my business partner down in Adelaide, Peter Horton has just uh, submitted a, um, a case to the High Court in Adelaide against two judges and a magistrate for misprision of treason because they have treated him uh, in much the same way that you were treated, Sue. So if, okay. this case, if this case goes ahead and, and he wins, which I think he will because I've read the, um, the case that he's prepared and it is, it is watertight. So... The only thing that would uh, mitigate against that now would be that the, the hearing judge um, just breaks the law and court, uh, cr uh, acts in treason as well, which is, of course, par for the course with these people. They're all in it together. Well, the problem is that we keep thinking that they're operating in common law, and they're not. They're no. operating in administrative law, which mm. is bound to the UN. So... Um, that's part of our error in thinking that they're respecting the system that we're supposed yeah. to be or we think is operating, but we don't know that that's not the system that we've entered and that we're dealing with. Mm. So a lot of the things they're doing are probably um, legitimate, for want of a better word, in their system, yeah. but they're certainly not in the common law system. And we do have an, an outcome. We can take it further to the High Court and go to the right jurisdiction, but you've got to find your way to that as well. Everything's hidden. Yes, it is. Available, but hidden. Yeah. So what I was, have you read this Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars yet? Yes, well, it was part of um, Boris Erickson's work out of America. Um, he's the fellow that taught about the reversionary processes mm. and that was one of the uh, required reading on his list so I read that several years ago actually 2014 I read that when we, we did our paperwork for the reversion so Boris um, Boris found that because the same thing has happened in America where there was a two-fold system of government and the de jure government was sitting hidden somewhere well and truly and no one could access it mm. they worked out a way to get themselves back to the de jure, the de jure structure of government 
which is what we've duplicated or have been duplicating in Australia and attempting to get ourselves out of the admin process, out of all the contracts, all the, mm. the fraudulent and deceptive contracts, and back into the Commonwealth where our rights do exist and we have authority and standing. Mm. Well, this document that I have, uh, this copy of it, is the May published in May 1979, and it marks the 25th anniversary of the Third World War called the Quiet yes. War being conducted using subjective biological warfare fought with silent weapons. And yep. uh, when you read this, it, um, it's mind-boggling. And they've actually got it down to mathematical formulas on how they can sub, um, subdue and um, uh, control us. It's just yes. amazing that they, they were able to do this. It all comes back to Mr... Um, uh, Rothschild, of course, Mayor Amschel Rothschild, who said, give me control over a nation's currency and I care not who makes its laws. And they obviously do not care about our laws. It's that yes. simple. Sue, it's been very instructive. Have you got anything else you'd like to um, add to this before we finish? Uh, well, probably we're in the middle of um, uh, in the middle of half the story. So the the only thing I could really say is that there is ways out of this, and mm. it is starting to happen that those ways are being successful to a certain capacity. So um, it's not all doom and gloom. No, it's not. And uh, actually, we're starting to see some very positive um, results of all of this coming up. So let's get together again here on on uh, the battler. And uh, you can tell us the next part. Okay, I shall do that. Great. All right. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you for the opportunity, Mike. My pleasure. Nice talking to you. Bye now. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Bloody Aussie Battler podcast. 